I'm going to ask you to pray with me in just a moment. And what I'd like for you to do is think about your week. I'd like for you to think about the things this week that maybe were troubling for you or hard for you in some way. Maybe it's some persistent problem that you have or it's just something that's, you know, just got you a little, a little tense, maybe a little anxious. I'll just tell you, um, for me, it's been, this has been an issue for me for uh, a couple months now. My mom's in hospice, and uh, it's, a, it's a slow, it's like, kind of like watching a car wreck in slow motion, honestly. Uh, she's declining, she's bedridden, uh, but she's still coherent, and she desperately would actually like to die and be with Jesus, but her body just kind of keeps ticking along, and so I don't really know the timeline of that. I just continue to go and be with her and talk with her, and she's, again, still uh, sound of mind, so, you know, we have some great conversations, and she, maybe this is a, a curse, a blessing and a curse, she's so cogent enough to know what she's lost, and she never imagined that she would be bedridden, unable to get out of the bed near the end of her life, but that's where she is. That's something that's personal to me. I wonder what's personal to you. Uh, I'd like to go and pray about that just for a moment as we begin this portion again of our service. Father, we come to you with all of the issues that are significant to our lives. For me, again, it's my mom that's ready to exit this life, actually, and be with you. But she's got more days. And Lord, we want to spend those days wisely, and we want to honor you with that. There's others in this room that perhaps are without a job. There's others in this, in this room that have had some sort of illness. There's others in this room that have some sort of loss or crisis. And we choose today, right now, to bring those before you. You're capable of handling all the situations in our lives. No matter how big or how small, you're the one that is able to handle those and guide us through troubled waters to a safe harbor. Lord, your scriptures say that we have about 70 years of life, and our life is but a vapor, and so we want to rehearse now what eternity is going to be like, and eternity means that we are in deepest connection with you, and so we choose to practice that even today with the simple things that are problems that sound so big for us now, but they're not too big for you, and so we humble ourselves before you. In Christ's name, amen. Open your Bibles. We are going to be in the book of Galatians in chapter 5 today. And this is the second week in our series where we're exploring what it means to live in Christian community. And if you remember last week, I gave you our mission statement on the screen. I'm going to do that again today because I want you to know what we're all about and specifically what we're attempting to accomplish this year. CCF, in fact, do it with this with me again. We said this out loud together last week. Let's do it again. Let's read it together. CCF makes maturing disciples of Jesus who live in Christian community and bring the hope of the gospel to the world. That's what we're about. We're about making maturing disciples of Jesus. And one aspect of making maturing disciples is learning how to live in Christian community. And that is what we have been exploring now for the last uh, two weeks together. Today, I want to talk a little bit more about the aspect of serving within Christian community, and let me give you uh, an example from my own life that happened this last weekend. I was downtown this last weekend for an event that was called 
pickleball for all. And I have to show you a couple pictures. Here's the first picture. We were down underneath the monorail and there were portable courts that were put up and everybody got a chance to come together for clinics. We had beginner clinics, which hundreds of people showed up for. We had some round robin play in which people got to break into some smaller teams and play for an hour and a half. We had drop-in play, and this is how close we were to the Space Needle, if you show me the next one. There's the monorail coming by with us playing in the courts that are underneath, and uh, there's the, mono the, the uh, Space Needle in the background. By the way, the mayor got behind all this because he went to a pickleball event and said, this is a blast, and he said, I want this for the city. We're trying to revitalize the city, so he wrote the check. Probably Amazon wrote the check for him, but all right, he wrote the check, and uh, we had this, again, pop-up pickleball event that was yesterday and uh, will be going on again today. I'm bringing that to your attention because I actually volunteered for this event, and I have a little picture of next of, I was at the registration table. I took a picture of it there, and this is where everybody came in to register for the event. They needed a little green lanyard that said, well, they, wrote, they, they signed their liability, their life away. If they got hurt, it wasn't, it wasn't our fault. So they signed their liability release, and then they got their green wristband. But my job was to make sure they got checked in and then they knew where to go and what to do during the course of this very fun day. Now, it was a blast for me to be there, to be with some people that had never played the game before and just say, you're going to have a blast doing this and introduce them to the game and introduce them to many of my friends that I've built over the course of many years playing pickleball. And here's what I'm here to tell you. At the registration booth, anybody could have done it. It really didn't take that many skills it was just a way for me to go and say, you know, I'm available. I'll give half my day to make sure that others are coming and having a great time. And that's really at the heart of service. It doesn't mean that you're especially gifted at that per se. It doesn't mean that you're an expert at that. But you're just available so many times in order to help others. Service is very important both inside and outside the church. In fact, Serving is the greatest opportunity to express love, and serving is the bedrock of Christian community. If you don't have servant, servants, and if you don't have serve us, then you don't have Christian community. It's impossible for Christian community to exist without it. By the way, it's really impossible for community to exist with, without our world or without our, within our community without service also. Service is just that Bedrock. Well, later today, I'm going to be giving you a booklet that we have called Serve and Connect, and I'm going to tell you about some of the opportunities for service right here at church this year. But I want to start uh, for a moment and just take a step back at the big picture and ask the question, why serve? Why is it a good idea to help others? When we say serve, we're saying, I'm going to take some of my valuable time and I'm going to give it to somebody else to individuals within the church or the church kind of as its operational functions. And so the question I have for you is, why should we do that? I'm going to go to the book of Galatians today in order to explore that and a passage that I found that I think perfectly matches uh, that question and, and where we are as a church. And I want to remind you, the book of Galatians is written to a group of Christians who have started off in Jesus, and there's a group that's come to them and is trying to pull them back into following the law. They've said, oh yeah, 
Good thing to follow Jesus, but we can't forget the law. We have to follow it. And so they're trying to make sure that people practice things like circumcision for the males as well as uh, no bacon. I mean, obviously, they're just saying, hey, there's things that are ins and outs for us, and we have to follow the Mosaic law in order for us to be okay. So Paul is countering that within the church, and he's saying, hey, I want to talk to you about the appropriate uh, area for the law and the appropriate area for grace and what Jesus has done with us in freeing us from the demands of the law, which, by the way, the law is impossible to ever fulfill completely, at least on our own. And so he is going to be talking to them again about this level of service within the church and specifically within this context of their desire for the law. I'm in Galatians chapter 5, and I'm starting in verse 15, and this is what Paul writes. Chapter 5, verse 15. For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. The famous megachurch pastor, Rick Warren, who pastors Saddleback Community Church in uh, Southern California, says this, the only way you can serve God is by serving other people. That's a bold, bold statement. But it's one I think actually that is true. The expression of love for God is always manifest to the people that are immediately around us. I think we oftentimes take for granted the motivation to serve. Today I want to talk more about the biblical motivation to serve, at least as it's expressed in Galatians. There's probably other places we could go to, but at least this is Paul's argument about service in the church to the Galatians And he answers the question, why serve? He has three main areas I want to cover today. And so let's dive into that, some reasons why we might serve. And he starts off by saying, first, service is the right expression of freedom. He starts by stating a fact. The fact is we've all been called to freedom. Jesus came to free the captives. Jesus came to give liberty and joy and more true life than any of us have ever experienced before. And so Jesus has come to give us freedom. But with all that freedom talk, there are individuals, especially the individuals that are really concerned about the law, and they see a gigantic risk within that notion of giving people freedom. Because they say, if you give people freedom, then they'll go do whatever they want, and then they'll just come back to God and say, Father, forgive me, and then they'll continue that cycle of just doing what they want. And so he's saying to them, I understand your, your, your penchant or your desire to make sure and anchor people to the law, because that is one way of making sure they don't stray too far. But this is what he says, don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. And so he's countering that or or understanding their desire for getting people, you know, restricted. And he's saying, well, hold on a second. This is the the, the positive side that we're not going to use our freedom for an opportunity for the flesh. Now, this word opportunity is a very interesting one because it's a military term and it literally means the spot of a military base. It's the spot of the start of operations for war. 
Think about a military base today. It's the spot where we might park tanks or we might park planes or helicopters or troops or bombs. And it's that spot where we get everything together before we go and we prosecute war. And so he's saying this opportunity is a a spot where everything begins. And it's the spot where we might actually say, uh, well, it's the the spot where I'm tempted to use my freedom or my right to sin or the privilege that I have with my freedom to go and fulfill fill these desires that are inside of me. And so again, he's saying, don't use your freedom as this opportunity base to go please yourself. There is a uh, ancient story from the kingdom of Siam. Years ago, the kingdom of Siam was in Thailand. And there was a king that lived there. And every time he had an enemy that he wanted to uh, somehow tube, then he would do something that was very interesting he would send a very unique gift to the other king. He would send a live, white, baby, albino elephant. And he'd send that because that was considered a white albino elephant, sacred creature within the culture. And so the opposing king had no opportunity other than to accept that gift since it was sacred and be able to look after that animal for years and years to come. The elephant would take an inordinate amount of energy, of time, of resources, of emotions, of finances, and over the course of time, it would destroy the other king because of the extremely burdensome process of caring for that gift. And one of the ways that Satan oftentimes comes to us is with white elephants. Things that look so good but that it can actually be very detrimental to us. They can destroy us really from the inside. Let me give you an example. I know some have season tickets to places like the Seahawks or the Kraken. Uh, I go occasionally to those games myself. But you know, there can be the tendency to say, oh, wow, we've got the season package now. And so, wow, man, that's really starting to carve into life here. So maybe there's some areas I need to give up in order to be able to fulfill that like maybe my service within the church. Or maybe you're an individual that maybe has a gym membership. And maybe before you used to pray in the mornings, but now you're making sure to get to the gym. Good thing to care for the body. I'm not down on that. But you get to the gym in order to make sure to get to work on time. And that side of your life, that prayer and devotion side of your life gets carved out. Maybe you're a part of the burgeoning, again, sports environment for kids and you're on travel teams and, man, your schedule's just consumed with that and suddenly, you know, church or suddenly your ability to be a part of a community group or a Bible study, that wanes because, again, you've got this other commitment, white elephants in our lives. And so many times they are the opportunity for freedom, uh, it appears, our freedom is the opportunity again that turns into an opportunity really for the flesh. It's easy to think of liberty as my right to do what I want, but that's not the biblical definition of liberty. The biblical definition of liberty is to do what God wants. I have the power within me to actually do what God wants. That's true freedom. And that's the freedom that Christ has given to us. And so Paul gives the positive next. He says, with your freedom, humbly serve one another in love. Don't use the opportunity to fulfill the flesh with your freedom. Instead, humbly serve one another in love. That's the best expression of freedom. 
It's the expression of freedom that Jesus demonstrated again and again and again. There's never been somebody more free than Jesus. Jesus was not encumbered by any sin. Jesus perfectly fulfilled everything the Father ever asked for him. Jesus has got a whole mind. He's got an able body. He's unrestricted in every way, and Jesus is this free man. What does Jesus do with his freedom? He takes on the role of servant. He takes the towel, and he goes to the basin, and he washes dirty feet. Jesus heals. Jesus teaches. Jesus puts up with all kinds of people all around him all the time, and he takes on the role of servant. Denise and I have really loved The Chosen. Many of you have watched that. It's a mini-series on the life of Jesus. There's already been three seasons created. The fourth season, I've been told, is coming out in January. So those of you who are looking forward to that, make sure and uh, get ready for that. And if you haven't seen The Chosen, boy, I really encourage you to do it. I've got a little uh, picture here of, of the Jesus, Jeremy Rumi, that is acting as Jesus in the whole series. It is just really, really, really well done. I'm about ready to show you a clip from season three. And in this clip, I was moved from it the moment I saw it. I want to go back and even see it again. Well, I, I did here, but I mean, I want to see the whole episode again. And in the episode, the disciples are around the fire at night, and they are arguing. They're arguing over, really, the thing that's got them all twisted up is Matthew's the tax collector, and he's been serving Rome. Should he even be a disciple? Is there any form of remorse within Matthew at all? And so they're just arguing around the fire, and it's just like knives are coming out, and they're just like ready to just get each other. And Jesus comes home from a day of healing. Jesus has been dealing with mothers who have babies with cleft palates and club feet. Jesus has been dealing with people who have skin lesions and cancers. And time after time, I, I, I can't even imagine in my mind what that must have even been like, but Jesus is pouring out some sort of energy to care for these people and heal them and meet their needs. And it's exhausting. Watch this episode right here, or this little clip of the episode right here, in which, again, there around the fire, you can kind of feel the tension, and Jesus is returning home from his day of teaching. Here you go, or healing.
one more. There we go. I'm a mess. Good. What would I do without you, Ima? I'll get some sleep. Okay. I'm so tired. That's Jesus. That's Jesus as servant. And it's his motivation to be that servant and to demonstrate to us what it means to lead a life of service. Why serve? <laughs> because it's the right expression of your freedom. You've been given freedom for a reason. And service is the expression of that freedom. Second reason why to serve is because serving fulfills the law. It's a very strange argument that Paul uses here. Remember, he's talking to the church who wants to bring people back into slavery under the law again. To bring them back into keeping all of the ordinances, all the law, all the religious holidays, all the kosher food. And Paul has said earlier to them, that's a dead end. You can't keep the law. It's a gigantic uh, boss whom you can never please. And so the law is always telling you, you haven't done it, you haven't done it, you haven't done it. I have this goal for you, you haven't met it. Denise and I, on a little different note than the other video, I promise, I only have two videos today, but this is a good one. And on a little different note, this is one of our favorite commercials. Think about pleasing someone else, or pleasing the law in this case, and think about this commercial. Here it is. We love our new home. There's so much space. We have a guest room now. But we have ants. You're slouching again, Ted. Expired. 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 Thanks, Aunt Bonnie. It's a lot of house. I hope you can keep it clean. At least Geico makes bundling our home and car insurance easy. Which helps us save a lot of money. Oh, Teddy, did you get my friend request? Oh, I'll have to check. Aunt Joni's here! For bundling made easy, go to geico.com. Expired! 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 I just like saying that. That's just fun. These are the ants that you can never completely please. They've got always some other demand for you. And that is what Paul says the law is like. It's this demanding taskmaster that you can never fulfill. You just keep on trying, but you never can do it. And here's the different thing that Paul's doing here. He's saying, however... It's this interesting thing about serving, and he's talking again to the law lovers. When you serve, then you actually fulfill the law. He says, when you serve, you're fulfilling all of the greatest commandment, which is to love others as ourselves. And when we are serving others, whether we intend to do it or not, we are fulfilling the great commandment, and we're fulfilling the law. And so he says, this is a wonderful thing, that serving each other in humble love is 
has an accomplishment. It's accomplishing what God has planned within the law. Paul's not attempting to uh, take us back under the law. He's not attempting to say, I want you to live under the law. He wants us to live under the spirit. But he's telling us that when you use your God-given time, talent, and treasures to help one another, then you are serving one another and you're fulfilling all that God really wants for you as his servants. This is serving that, that not only has a benefit to others, which it obviously does, but well, statistics just tell us and study after study tells us every time you serve, it's actually beneficial to you. Study after studies demonstrated that people who serve actually live longer and they live healthier and happier lives than those who don't. There's nobody I've ever seen who's maybe uh, an individual that's just more forlorn or more pitiful to me than the individual that's just turned in within themselves. They're cloistered. They only care about their own lives. And they're just, they're sad individuals because, again, I think we're hardwired to actually serve one another there's a vibrancy that comes to life when, we, when we're serving. There's a larger perspective that we have. We're bigger, we're more bold, and there's benefits to us as we actually serve. But the big thing I want you to hear is it's actually fulfilling the law and all that God has for us. All right, there's a third thing. This third thing, serving keeps us from consuming each other. That sounds a bit strange, but let me explain that. Paul is talking to the Galatian church and he says there's actually a downside if you do not serve, if you don't serve one another, then you will inadvertently or maybe with intention bite and devour one another. He's giving us examples of words that are like wild animals that are tearing each other apart. And that's what happens when you don't serve each other and you simply use your platform to fulfill your own selfish ends. Selfish people ultimately will consume each other. And honestly, I fear that that's what's happening within our country today. We have lost the ability somehow to serve one another. It's what I can force down your throat, what my will that I can impose upon you. Let me get the upper hand. And that's what is happening within our society. It cannot happen within our church. Our church can never devolve into that where we are into a space where we are devouring and uh, eating each other, as it were, with uh, all of the wrong motives. Let me give you an example of this. William Goldberg's classic novel, The Lord of the Flies, was published in 1954. And I know Lord of the Flies for years was common reading within high school. Did anybody read The Lord of the Flies in maybe high school or middle school? Oh, hands all over the place. Uh, somebody who's a little bit younger, have you, did you read that maybe on your own or maybe within school? A raise of hands if you read the Lord of the Flies. I see a couple of hands up. It's a classic book, and the book was actually made into a movie several times years later. The most classic was in 1990. And the story unfolds about these boys that are from Britain. They are in a plane crash during war, and they're on this desert, deserted island with uh, no adults around, and so they are attempting to form their own uh, community again. And I've got the pictures from the movies up here from the, uh, the movie itself, 1990. If you give me, is it there? And it's not there. Oh, I had that picture. I don't know what happened to that picture. But anyway, all right. Uh, the picture had one boy named Ralph and another boy named Jack, Ralph was designated as the initial leader of the group, 
And he was charged to kind of get all of them together and figure out ways for them to be rescued. Jack came on the scene, and he is the nemesis of, of, of Ralph, and he is constantly challenging his authority and his leadership, and he desires power and control. Ralph represents order and civilization and a focus on being rescued, while Jack, he represents the opposite, a, a, a desire for savagery and hunting and domination. And the split between these two actually breaks the community of the boys irreparably, and they are not able to come back together again because of the separations and divisions that happen within their little make-believe or their, their burgeoning society they're trying to create on their own. When we are serving each other, then we are building the community up. When we are refusing to serve each other, we are descending into chaos and the Lord of the flies. And again, that cannot become the church. The church needs to be the place where reflexively we are individuals who just serve each other, and that is our commonplace experience. All right, I want to close today's sermon with something very practical, and I have a Serve and Connect booklet that I would like to now have handed out. Nick is going to help on this side. Jeremy, could I get you to help on this side and take this basket of uh, booklets right here? And would you mind helping me get those out on this side? Siva is going to be doing that up on the balcony, and we're going to be handing booklets out. Maybe, uh, again, we have plenty of them. It could be one per individual or one per family, but... Uh, While you're receiving this, let me tell you about what else we have planned today. So today, at the end of service, we are going to be across the street in the ministry center. And I will just tell you that Linda has been busy all morning, really all week. And she has a giant charcuterie board set up for us over in the ministry center. I'm just here to tell you, yummy, yummy, yummy. If Linda cooks something, I want it, all right? And you are going to love that. On the other side of the street, we have a series of tables, and around the tables are different ministry leaders to tell you about the ministries and what service and connection needs are within that whole group for the course of this year. And so, for instance, uh, there'll be a table over there with Pastor James, and if you wanted to learn about what it means to be a part of the worship team, how you'd be a part of that, maybe singing or maybe playing an instrument, he would be able to tell you that. Maybe you'd like to be a part of the soundboard, and you'd like to connect with the the individuals who run the sound on Sunday morning and help us in that way, uh, he would be available to answer that question. Pastor Eric would be there for lots of areas of service in the children's ministry. And so again, you're going to see all different tables over there. I will also say we are going to have some raffle tickets and there's some great prizes. Like for instance, you might win a gift card to... uh, to Red Twig, or you might win a gift card to Walnut Cafe. You might get Revelation Yogurt. I think we also have a bigger gift, which is an Amazon gift card, so I think that's going to be within the raffle. So each table that you go to, you get a ticket, so visit people, all right? Uh, The other thing we have going on is if you've been struggling to make sure Breeze works for you, Breeze is our church database, it's our directory, it's the place where you can register for things online. If you're struggling with Breeze, we're going to have a help desk with the the geniuses, the Breeze geniuses there, and they're going to help you work things out on your mobile device or just the way that you're trying to navigate Breeze. All right, you have the Serve and Connect booklet in front of you, and I want you to turn to the opening page, page one, bottom right-hand corner, and you'll see the genius of this booklet immediately because the genius of this booklet is 
It's designed around things that you might like to do. And so you'll see the list there. People, persons, number one. Creative, number two. Helper, number three. Techie, number four. Trades, number five. Musical, number six. Foodie, number seven. Let me give an example of that. You're a foodie. You're like, I love to cook food, present food. I love to eat food. I love to be, hospitality is kind of my go-to thing. What you'll be then is a number seven. And if you turn to the book, to the number seven, it will tell you all the places in the church where we need foodies, where you might connect with another ministry within the church where they need your gift, your food help, as it were, to make things work. If you're, for instance, a number one, you're a people person, you're gonna go to all the list of number ones and it's all the places where it's like, I can't help but not be with people. I love people, I wanna help people. And all the one serving opportunities are under that number one and so forth. So you're gonna have a chance to go through that. And by the way, when you're across the street, it's organized by ministry, not, this, not these different opportunities. So when you go up, you might say, if you go up, for instance, to the student ministries table, you'll find out they have lots of ways that you can serve, but it's gonna be, they're gonna be just telling you about all the things that are on your number one list at the table that is for students. All right, one more thing I want you to do. Turn to page number 10. Turn to page number 10. And all the ministry leaders that are listed in this book, so if you were wanting to contact somebody about your foodie interest, for instance, then it would have the list of the leaders with their email address and their phone number. And so you're able to contact them and say, hey, I might be interested in, in helping in some way, and so tell me more. Again, today's the great opportunity because you just get to talk in person. So I would really say avail yourself of that opportunity. But if over time you don't know how to reach somebody, that is the list of uh, directory uh, contacts in order for you to be able to pick up more conversation. Here is what we're hoping. We are hoping, by the way, many of you have areas of service already. God bless you. Thank you for that. Maybe you want to stay right where you are. Maybe you want to change up in some way. That's fine with us. But we're loving the fact that at the start of a year, we might be asking you, hey, is there some area where you might serve the church during the course of this year? Try it out. See how it works. And see how God uses your life for the benefit, again, of others. We're hoping that everybody can find their water level this year and everybody can uh, serve in a way that is beneficial to you and beneficial, obviously, to the gospel and the growth of people. Today, I want to close with a bit of a blessing over you. And the blessing I want to read over you today is written by the former chaplain of the U.S. Senate. His name is Richard Halverson. Richard Halverson wrote this prayer and is what he always ended his services with. And he ended his services with it because he held the conviction that the church is not just the group that meets here on Sunday morning, but the church is a living body of believers that are involved in each other's lives and various aspects of community all within their sphere of society all week long. And your service is needed wherever you are, whether it's within the community or whether it's here at church, but your service component, you serving like Jesus did is what is needed and, and what God is empowering you to do. And so Richard Halverson gave this prayer. Here it is. Wherever you go, God is sending you. Wherever you are, God has put you there. God has a purpose in your being right where you are. Christ, who indwells you by the power of his spirit, wants to do something in and through you. Believe this and go in his grace, his love, and his power. In the name of the Father, the Son, 
and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, that is our desire, is for this group of your people to be so captivated by your freedom that they go serve just with abandon. They just go serve out of your big power and out of your big desire. Lord, would you come and fill us now in order that we might be your hands and feet to each other and to a world that needs you. It's in Christ's name we pray this.